Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Because this is a continuation and I may refer back to the poem, The Cookie Thief, and some of you may be wondering uh, what that meant. Uh, I'm going to reread that poem um, by Valerie Cox, and then we can get on to um, the second part. So, uh, Matters of the Heart, The Cookie Thief. All right, so this is a poem. The woman was waiting at the airport one night with several long hours before her flight. She hunted for a book in the airport shop, bought a bag of cookies, and found a place to drop. She was engrossed in her book, but happened to see that the man beside her, as bold as could be, grabbed a cookie or two from the bag between, which she tried to ignore to avoid a scene. She read Munch Cookies and watched the clock as the gusty cookie thief diminished her stock. She was getting more irritated as the minutes ticked by, thinking, if I wasn't so nice, I'd blacken his eye. With each cookie she took, he took one too. When, when only one was left, she wondered what he'd do. With a smile on his face and a nervous laugh, he took the last cookie and broke it in half. He offered her half, and he ate the other. She snatched it from him and thought, oh, brother, this guy has some nerve. He's also rude. Why, he didn't even show any gratitude. She had never known when she had been so galled and sighed with relief when her flight was called. She gathered her belongings and headed for the gate, refusing to look back at the thieving ingrate. She boarded the plane and sank in her seat, then sought for her book which was almost complete. As she reached in her bag, she gasped with surprise. There was her bag of cookies in front of her eyes. If mine are here, she moaned with despair. Then the others were his. He tried to share. Too late to apologize, she realized with grief that she was the rude one, the ingrate, the thief. Um, and so we were talking about matters of the heart. So I, I saw that. Someone posted it on Facebook. I thought it was a great poem to illustrate that sometimes we can have issues going on in our hearts and no one knows about them. And only she knew that she was upset with this guy supposedly for eating her cookies, which she turned, comes to find out that they weren't really hers all along, that they were his. And, and thinking about that poem again, in, in, in light of the song we sung, um, I give myself away. You know, how many of us live our lives as if it's ours? <laughs> and then we find out that it's not ours at all, that this life doesn't belong to us, uh, that it belongs to him, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And, and hopefully we come to that realization sooner rather than later. Uh, but it is a realization that we are ever so aware of that the life that I live is not my own. Uh, it is his. And what I do with it matters to him. Um, how I live it, what I put in my heart, what I'm doing um, is important to him. So we want to just recap quickly. Uh, I went over two parts. God knows our hearts and um, the issues or what matters most in our heart. So God knows our heart, and we looked over several scriptures about how God knows our heart. Um, 
in Luke 16, 15, kind of says, he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight sometimes. Uh, so that's God knowing our hearts. And then we looked at what matters most is in our heart. So you talked about some issues that are in the heart, some things that sometimes matter most to us does not necessarily matter most to God. This woman obviously had some issues. She was angry. She was upset because of that cookie thief. Um, and she had maybe some bitterness in her heart, some anger, some anxiety. Um, we have some judgment, some pride in our heart, some lust, some hate, some doubt, some worry, some trouble, um, entertaining evil thoughts, stubbornness in our heart. Um, you name it, those things can be in our heart. And our neighbors beside us would not know the difference of whether that was in our heart or not. And so it is important that because God knows our heart and he knows what's in our heart, that we give all our heart to him so he can fix that. So today we're going to focus on a couple of key things about how to guard your heart. Um, And I look for some grand, I'll be honest, I look for the easy way out. Um, Sometimes I, I do do that. I'm the only one I know who always looks for the easier way. Maybe, no. It's just me. Um, sometimes you want the easy route. You want this to be, how can I do this more effective and efficiently as fast as possible and get it over with? And that's not always a lazy thing. Sometimes you want to be efficient in what you're doing. And so I'm looking and saying, all right, so guarding your heart, how can we get this done? You know, how can we do this? Is there, how can I streamline this? to where it's easy and it's done and it's over with. Uh, but guarding your heart is a continual thing, first of all. It, it does not end, unfortunately. When you look at the word guard, it is a state, in, a state in which someone is carefully looking for all possible danger, threats, problems, etc. And this is uh, from the dictionary. So, first of all, it's the state in which someone is carefully looking at all possible dangers, threats, problems. Now, does that happen in one day that all the possible dangers, threats, and problems will come and you guard at your heart that one day and you're done? Your heart is protected and it's over with. No. Does it happen in a week that you can guard your heart and protect your heart for one week and you're good? You know, my heart is protected and I'm good to go. I don't have to work at being careful at all the problems all the dangers, all the evils that are out there, it's not going to last for a week. Can we just do it a month and be good? I wish. I can last for a month, maybe even six months. I'm good. I can do it just for six months. But it is a continual work. It does not end. It is a constant, constant thing. I was talking with my kids all all this week about guarding their heart. And as their father, I'm supposed to help them protect their hearts and guard their hearts as well. But I'm, I'm expecting them to do some guarding of their heart, guarding their hearts and what they allow in and what they see and what they hear and what voices they allow to speak to their hearts. Um, also, guard your heart is a person or a job or duty to watch and protect someone or something. So it is our job and duty to watch and protect our hearts. It is not a part-time job. It comes with benefits, it does. <laughs> but it's full time. There's overtime in this position. Um, 
and it does come with great benefits, but it is a full-on battle that you guard and protect your heart. Uh, because the enemy would like no more than you to allow things to enter into your heart. Small things that turn out to be small in the beginning, but then turn out later to be very destructive. Proverbs 4.23 said, guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above everything else, for it determines the course of your life. I could stop right there. Because that is, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It is so important that we guard our hearts. Um, because it does determine where you wind up. Because your inner man and your outer man <laughs> will one day line up. What is in your heart will come out. I had a pastor when I was in college that used to talk about if you fill a bucket, I have, have no bucket, but um, if you fill a bucket with water, if you kick it over, what's going to come out? Right. If you fill a bucket with paper, if you kick it, what's going to come out? Right. So if you fill your heart with the word and someone hits you or kick you, what's going to come out? Uh, wait. The word, right? <laughs> Y'all were hesitant, like, well, maybe something else will come out because they kicked me and hit me. But if you're filling it with just the word, then the word is going to come out. You know, pastor's been talking about love. If you fill your heart with the word, love is going to come out. No matter what you want to come out, love is going to come out because that's what you filled it with. That's what's in here. It's nothing but love. I can't do anything. If you slap me, I'm going to love you because it's in here. I'm not there yet, so don't slap me. <laughs> don't test it yet. <laughs> don't ever test that. <laughs> I'm a work in progress, trust me. Uh, but guard your hearts. If you fill it with the word and you stump your toe, the word is going to come out. It should. <laughs> If you fill the bucket with water, you know, that's what's going to be in it. So what are you filling yourself with and what are you allowing to come out? Uh, Matthew fifteen eighteen says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth, a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. Luke 21, 34 reads, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and anxieties of life. And the day will close, and, the, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Be careful. Carefully guard your heart from possible dangers, threats, and problems. Because it will weigh your heart down. And the, and the anxieties of life will come, and then suddenly, like it would seem like it was suddenly you was trapped because you weren't careful and you allowed your heart to be weighed down with the issues of the world. Of the issue, your issues, it doesn't have to be issues of the world. What you consider to be important, your jobs, your schoolwork, you can weigh yourself down and burden your heart so um, that you can't and you don't guard it that. When someone does bump up against you, the word doesn't come out. 
Um, so a couple of things I want to do. We were talking about guarding your heart. And what I want to do, I, I flip this around because I want to look at God has given us help to guard our hearts. And normally I would do how we guard our hearts first and then the help that he's given us to assist us in, assist us in guarding our hearts. Guarding, yes. Someone said gardening, but I, um, <laughs> which can be applicable, applicable as well. Um, but God, I want to go we look at the help that he gives us to guard our hearts or how he assists us in guarding our hearts. And then we'll look at in detail how we guard, how we should guard our hearts. So one, God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us guard our hearts. Him himself. He's given us his spirit to guard, help us guard our hearts. In Galatians 5, uh, 15, I mean, I'm sorry, 16. Galatians 5, starting at verse 16. You get there in your Bibles. You can look at the screen. It says, so, so I say, walk by the spirit that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. So this is the word. I didn't say this. It says, walk by the Spirit. And do not, and, and, and you will not de- gratify the desires of the flesh because the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So if you are ever in a situation where you feel like you're in the flesh and there are some desires, I can guarantee that the spirit has something different for you or wants you to do different. So let's say, for example, you stump your toe and your flesh wants to respond a certain way. I'm sure the spirit has an opposing view of what you should do in that situation. Let's say someone does slap you. God forbid. (laughs) But I'm sure your flesh will want to respond in a certain way. But the spirit is contrary to the flesh and has a different desire or outcome that he wants you to fulfill. Let's say you lost your job. Your flesh may want to respond and do certain things a certain way. But the spirit is contrary to that and would desire and want you to react and respond in a different way. So it is important that we Walk in the spirit. Because if we walk in the flesh and we rely on our flesh, then we will do things dissatisfying to us. And we will feel like it's the right thing to do. And the world may support us in our decision in doing that. And everything in the world may say, that's what you should do. And everything on TV and the radio will say, That's the way you should respond. And so then we are fulfilled in our fleshly desires because everyone else says that's what you should do. That's how you should respond. So there's nothing wrong. And we get a false sense of security in believing in our flesh because it's supported by everyone else. And so we're okay. And sometimes we don't even know or realize that that decision was wrong because we have, been, we have allowed ourselves to depend on ourselves and our flesh and our fleshly desires, and we have fulfilled them so much that we think that's okay. 
That's the way you should respond because everyone else responds that way. That's the way it should be done because that's what the world says. But the spirit is over here screaming and yelling. Maybe not screaming and yelling. (laughs) To me, sometimes he's screaming and yelling. He's kicking me and saying, no, 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 that's not it. That's not what I want you to do just because everyone else is doing that and everyone else supported you in your decision to do that. That's not what I want as a spirit. And so sometimes we drown out the Holy Spirit in our lives because we're so dependent on our flesh and we walk so much in the flesh that it's strange when the spirit tells us to do something and it seems so awkward. And so unreal or so unrelatable or that can't be done, you know. We look at marriages uh, and even Christian people will look at marriages and, you know, in the world, in Hollywood and say people get divorced because of this and that. And we support that decision because we say, well, that's okay. Because I would do the same thing if that happened to me. Whereas the Spirit is saying, no, no, no. And we get around our friends and we'll talk about certain issues and we'll say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably a good thing. Because everyone else supports it. And the Spirit is saying, no. That's the worldly, fleshly lifestyle. And I'm contrary to that. They are in conflict with one another. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are oblivious, sexual, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fix of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong in Christ or belong to Christ, Jesus, have have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, and 26, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So if we live by the Spirit, let us obey and walk and do what the Spirit tells us to do. And let us not be carried away with our own fleshly desires. You know, we, that can be on so many levels. And so many times we look at this on big picture things like, you know, big, big issues. But even on simple things, day-to-day go, dealings in our lives, we are so dependent on what we want that we rarely check in with the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm guilty. I'll get up in the morning. I'll feed myself. I might, I might make breakfast for my kids. That's a might, because sometimes I say, y'all get up and make your own breakfast. Um, they're old enough to do that, so it's okay. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> there are things that they can make, so I'm not sending them out hungry. Sometimes they choose not to eat. That's their decision. I'm letting them live it. You know what? You deal with the consequences of that. Two hours later, you're hungry in school. I'm telling you, you better eat something. So sometimes, you know, I wake up, 
you know, you, we do our own thing. You know, I eat my breakfast. Uh, you know, I, I might say a quick word of prayer. Then I'm on my way doing what I want to do. I'll go to the gym, go for a run, go work out or whatever, go to work. I own my own business, so sometimes I can do what I want to do there. And that's really dangerous because sometimes it's like, I don't feel like going over to this one, so I'll go over here. And so, I, you know, it's a selfish lifestyle. So I have a couple of different contracts, a couple of different people. So I was like, well, you know, I'll go over here and do some work. And I don't feel like driving over to that one, so I'll choose not to. And I'll go hang out over here and do work over here for them, even though I don't go over there because I don't feel like wasting gas going over there. And then I'll do this, and then I might take a break here. It is all about what I want to do. That's the picture. It is all about what I want to do the whole day. I had to check myself. All I've done is what I wanted to do. Where I want, and some of you don't have that option at luxury, but you know sometimes you have to go to work. You don't necessarily want to go there, so you don't necessarily say that's what I want to do. Uh, but the whole day was about fulfilling my desires of what I wanted to do. That can be dangerous in that we never check ourselves, and we think that's what life is. And sometimes we set our kids up. And this is the more, more dangerous part. We set our kids up to think that's what that's what life is. That's all about what they want where they want to go, what they want to do, the money they want to spend, you know, we'll work to do it. And it's like, I'm setting you up to give you a false security that this is what your life is about. It's about you and what you want to do and where you want to go and what you want to spend and what you want to eat. And that's the issue with breakfast because they don't want to eat what, what's there. I don't care about what you want. <laughs> and that's what then the Holy Spirit says. Yes, right. We don't care about what you want. It's what we want for you. Um, so yeah, am I the only, maybe it's just me. I'm the only one. It's just my life. All right. Say amen. If you, you know, if that's you. all right, good. I'm I'm not the only one. He's like, gosh, <laughs> uh, I'm the only one that walks in the flesh sometimes. Um, <laughs> but yes, we have to check that selfish flesh of ours and we have the Holy Spirit to help us do that. Uh, so one, we have the Holy Spirit to help us guard our heart, guard our hearts. Two, we have the Word, the Law, and Psalms nineteen seven through fourteen. It reads, "The Law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple." Um, it goes through talking about the precepts of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord. Fear the Lord is pure, enduring forever. Um, let's see here. Um, keep Keep your servant always from willful sins. That's 13. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So the word is here to protect us, uh, to protect our hearts. Psalms 119, 9 through 11 says, um, can a young person stay on the path of purity? Listen, young people. Um, Psalms 119.9 says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to my word. Yes, it's not a trick question. It's right there. Um, <laughs> I seek you with my 
Whole heart, yes. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my that I might not sin against you. So I know when you're young and, and Christian, you're like, how can I live a pure life when everyone around me is living a debauchery? <laughs> uh, but the word says here uh, that by his word, by living according to your word, keeping it in your heart. Um, so guarding your heart, he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the word. And this is one I didn't want to hear. He gives us towel trials and testing in our life. James 1, 2 through 4, it reads, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that, that this testing of your faith produces perseverance, like perseverance finishes work, so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. So that was one of the ones I wanted to skip over. I was like, you know, the Holy Spirit is good. The Word is good. You want to say trials and testing is there to help me guard my heart? Yes. You know, uh, Army, if you never experienced defeat, uh, that's maybe not. Well, I guess so. Sometimes it's important that you experience defeat so you know where your weaknesses are. So you know what's in your heart. So you know where the battle needs to be next time or what I need to protect over here that I had lacked off in guarding. I was guarding this over here really well. So, for instance, I'm, a, I'm for Lent, I decided to give up sweets. Sweets in the purest sense that I'm not eating any desserts, anything like that. I still put sugar in my coffee. I can't help it. Um, and I still have coffee. Last year I gave up coffee, and that was a struggle. Uh, gosh. <laughs> I had to guard my heart and everything else. <laughs> uh, but so I gave us sweets. And so my eyes are, I'm very sensitive now because that's what I'm focused on. Giving up sweets, I'm very aware. Oh, there's donuts over there. Okay, stay away. Oh, there's a cake over there. Stay away. There's some cookies. All right, no, good. And so that's how life is. When we're focused on something, it's easy to guard in that area. But then the enemy could come around and do a sneak attack or suck a punch you on the side, in an area that you weren't focused on, you know? So I'm focused on sweets now. So, you know, I'm good. I've, been, I've done very well. No sweets. Please don't tempt me. Afterwards, say, yeah, you got some cookies. No, I'm good. Oh, yeah, no sweets. I uh, gave those up for Lent. But, yeah, so, you know, I'm, when you're focused on an area, you can work on that. But guarding, it, you're talking about every, every area. Every issue, every problem, every circumstance may, may come your way that you have to guard against and protect against. So, example, my kids, um, I tell them all the time, I said, there's too much Disney going on in this house, way too much Disney. You know, I am supporting Mickey Mouse with viewing like no other person in the world. I know, I said, so we are allowing Disney to teach you things that I'm, I don't want to be taught. Disney is saying that it's okay to date, you know, to be in love every other week with a different person. 
I think Disney is saying that it's okay to sexually harass other females because there's this one show, guys always flirting with the other older girl. And I was like, that's not okay. And I need for you to see that. So I used it as a teachable moment, but it was like, we're cutting back. We, we can't watch this stuff because it is allowing stuff to enter into your heart that you think is okay. And then two years later, three years later, when you think it's okay to do that, it's like, where did it come from? And I'm going to blame Disney. It's me. It is me. I, you have to, we as parents have to guard our children. We have to help them protect their hearts as well. Um, you know, I, I get on my son all the time. He tends to be more, a little bit more mouthier than my daughter. And I said, he said something, this is weeks ago. And I was like, hey, just because they can do that on the Disney Channel does not mean <laughs> that it will happen here. <laughs> you will not talk to me that way. That, that is not going to fly. No way. No way, buddy. You know, Disney, is a, it, it happens in their home, and I, I've seen it and witnessed it. Do you... Don't you think that that's okay? That's just TV. I'm real. <laughs> there are real consequences. Um, so trials and testings help us guard our hearts. And then we help each other as well. The ministry of others as iron sharpens iron. In Proverbs 27:17, as iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. The one who guards, in 18, it says, the one who guards a fig tree will eat its fruit, and whoever protects their master will be honored. Um, So you guard your heart. You'll be able to eat the fruits of that. You'll be able to live the fruits of that out. Um, And we can help one another to guard each other, to give encouraging words, to love one another, to have grace and mercy towards one another. So, with that being said, so we got the four things that help us guard our hearts. How do we guard our hearts? And again, I look for, I wanted the easy, I wanted to be deliverance, you know, just do it, God. Give me the new heart. And he does give us a new heart. Um, and I want it to just be done. But like I said, it is a continual work. And it's something that he, he tells us what we should do. Um, let me get to, so look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. So we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, and then Philippians 4 and 8. Um, 2, Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 reads, for, we, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretentious uh, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's the NIV version. And so in reading that, it does not say that God is taking captive those things. It does not say the Holy Spirit is taking captive. It says we take captive every thought. And make it obedient to Christ. And then I was like, oh, my God. I rolled my eyes. I was like, oh, my God. This is work. (laughs) 
this is serious work right here. And I don't want to discourage you because we have to do this. This is what this is what he's given us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us uh, trials that come into our life. And he's given us the body of Christ to help us. But we have to take captive every thought because I can't take captive for you what's in your heart because just like the cookie thief, I don't know. That guy who was sharing his cookies didn't know that this lady was struggling over here thinking that he had stole the cookies when he was sharing. So I don't know what, what you might need to take captive in your heart. And you don't know all the things that I may need to take captive. And what things I may need to take captive, you've already captivated <laughs> or got under control. So you can share with me what you did. But it is important that we take captive those thoughts, those things, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I love the, uh, there are different versions. I looked at the message. I love the me- how the message Bible says it. It says we use our powerful God tools for smashing warp philosophies. I love that. Tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. I love that. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. It reminded me of Romans uh, 12, 1. It says, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, and we are, uh, talks about being transformed. So I can see that impulse. We're shaping those things into the structure of Christ. Like we're transformers. We're transforming that issue, that impulse, that loose thought. And we're going to maneuver that and push it into Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience and to maturity. The Living Bible says these weapons, these weapons can break down every proud argument against God and every wall that can be built to keep men from finding him. With these weapons, I can capture rebels and bring them back to God and change them into the men whose heart's desire is obedience to Christ. Now, we talked last week about those different parts of our hearts that we will allow you know, we'll give God part of our heart, but not all of our heart. And so we're talking about um, bringing down those walls. We have walled up parts of our heart. That it's okay. I, God, I give you this part, but then these parts I want, and I'm protecting it with the wall. And the verse says it can bring down those walls. The Holy Spirit can convince you we have to do the work to bring down those walls to get into the word, to convince ourselves, because, yes, we are convincing ourselves that the word is true. We know it here. We don't know it here. And we are convincing ourselves that the word is true in our hearts so that we can believe it, so that it's just not part of my heart that's realizing it, but it's all of my heart that's realizing it. Every situation, every problem that I'm going through, everything, it belongs to him. And he's going to help me through that. And I need to bring those things into captivity and make it obedient to Christ. So if I have a contrary thought comes in my mind, I say, hey, 
That's not Christ. That's wrong. That's, that's not right for me to think that or say that or want to say that. So I'm going to make you obedient thought because you're wanting to do and say this out of my fleshly desires. But I'm not going to allow you to do and say that. So I'm going to bring you under obedience because I know the word and the word says that I should respond in love. Even though I thought that I wanted to say something smart and quick to cut them with my tongue. But the word says I need to respond in love. And so I'm going to bring that under obedience and say, no, I'm going to respond in love. It takes training. It's not easy, people. I know it's not. (laughs) And I wanted it to be easy. But he has given us tools. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us the body of Christ. He's given us trials in our lives to see and to point out where we need to focus on. And when we begin to focus on those areas and bring them into captivity, then we can really grow and mature. We need to start early on teaching our kids that, teaching ourselves, practice, put into practice those things. Philippians 4 and 8, and it says, so, well, let me go back. So when we're bringing those things into captivity and submitting them into the word and making them obedient unto Christ, then we need to replace and feel that stuff. So Philippians 4 and 8 says, summing it all up, friends, I say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on these things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learn from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellency harmonies, which will the peace of God will be with you in the NIV version. That was the message Bible. And the NIV says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. See, if you have a weighty heart, if you have issues going on in your heart, then think about what's good. Think about what's praiseworthy. Think about the cross and what he did for you. Think about the gospel. Think about things that are beautiful and not the ugly things. And then the peace of God will be with you. So if you're needing peace, think on those things. And that peace will be with you. Um, There's a parable in Matthew 13 of the sower. And it talks about how, and this, you know, how this farmer went out and with seed and scattered the seed, and some fell by the wayside. Um, and in a particular verse, uh, when, he, when Jesus is explaining that parable, he says, um, I'll start at 18, Listen then what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that was, snatches away what was sown in their heart. This seed is sown along the path. So the enemy is there. You know, there's words, words going out. 
And some of it is falling on good ground in our hearts. And then some of it is falling on the wayside. Some of it is taking a little root and growing. But then when the trials and tribulations come to test our garden of our hearts, it withers and dies away. Um, Some of it does fall on good soil in our hearts. What we want to do is have our whole heart be good. So that no matter what come, what word comes our way, it can fall and we're just not hearers of the word, but doers of the word that is producing fruit, the fruit of the spirit. It is producing good crops and yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. I'm going to end in Deuteronomy 5:29, And it reads, oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commandments so that it might go well with them and their children forever. I'm going to read that again because it's really good. It's good to me. I don't know about nobody else. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord Jesus, that our hearts will be inclined to fear you and keep your commandments. Do what your word says. All of our hearts, all part of, every part of our heart will be inclined to fear you and do your word. Be obedient to your word. So that all will go well with us and the next generation after us, our children. So I pray right now that you would just massage our hearts, Lord Jesus. We commit it to you every area, every fault, every issue, every up, every down, every hill, every valley, every crack, every issue, every problem, every hurt, every pain, the bitterness the hate, the anger, the frustration, the worry, the anxiety. We give it to you right now in the name of Jesus. Every part of our heart belongs to you. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between, we give it to you. And we know that it's not just a knowing in our mind, but a knowing in our heart that you can fix this heart. We will begin to practice bringing every thought into captivity. We will begin to focus on those things which are good and pure and holy and praiseworthy. We will begin to speak the word. We will believe, not just in our minds, but in our hearts, that you can change the heart. That you are concerned about the matters of my heart and that you are willing to go above and beyond to change those things that are in my heart to be be perfect in your sons with the help of your Holy Spirit. We bring every thought into captivity and obedience unto Christ. We will work at it. We will guard our hearts 24-7, all the time, protecting, 
what we see, what we say, what we hear, the company that we keep, where we're going, where we're visiting, places we hang around, hang out. We will guard our hearts from problems and issues. And the things that may seem like small things now that may turn into big issues later, we will protect our hearts. We will guard our hearts. So we thank you right now in advance for, for the deliverance, the setting free of, our, uh, of ourselves, that we can be ourselves all the time, and that we're not concerned about guarding our hearts from our brother and sister, but we can be open and available and knowing that they will accept us and love us and pray with us that the issues that are in our hearts will change. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you. We honor you right now, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.